This is the Education Gadfly Show. He's from Canada. You're from out west somewhere? Oregon. Yeah, see? You know, kind of similar. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. You're at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my guest co-host, the Drake of Education Reform, Chris Minnick. Drake. Drake. Well, you know, I, I try hard to make sure that I am plugging into pop culture, be, be, you know, because I'm just that kind of hip guy. Anyways, happened to turn on the TV the other day and the American Music Awards are on and it was good. And Drake, Drake won an award. And well, I, I, was, I mean, I, I was like, I, I've, I've heard, you know, and I think, you know, he, he's talented, just like you, good looking, just like you. He's from Canada. You're from out West somewhere. Oregon. Yeah. See, you know, kind of similar. No. Yeah. No. Alyssa's uh, shaking her head. Also <laughs> with us, Alyssa Schwank, the Adele of education reform. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. She got the, she got the category for like adult contemporary, which I feel like she's only like 25, right? I mean, is it the fact that all of her fan base is much older than her? Is- uh, I think it's a way that they can give Adele an award and Beyonce an award and Taylor Swift uh, an award in the same year. No, you guys know so much more about pop culture than I Oh, no, I'm faking it. I'm faking it, Chris. I'm faking <laughs> it. So I listen to you guys every week. And yes. I, uh, I take this pop culture information home and share it with my family. So you should be uh, happy that <laughs> you're at least sharing with one person in the uh, podcast world. You know, I forget. How, how old are the kids now, Chris? Uh, I have a four and a one-year-old. Four and one-year-old. So... I have noticed, I don't know when you're driving around with them, if you do the NPR thing or what you, but I, I have to say, I like listening now with my boys, six and nine, to pop music on the radio, especially my younger son, Leandro, loves it. And he'll sing this stuff and it's uh, super cute. Anyways, it keeps me young, Chris. Yeah, well, it's all about trying to keep me young. young. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, for those of you that don't know, I don't know how you don't know this, but Chris is the executive director of the Council of Chief State School Officers, CCSSO. Yes. That is like the worst. I mean, there are some horrible acronyms in education, but this may be the worst. We are the state superintendents. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you change? Why don't you have that? You guys should have. <laughs> well, we got some commissioners too. So. Yeah. Or the soups. Yeah. There you go. The soups. Sounds like a, like council a little yeah. bit. I remember when I, when I was 24 and living in Ohio and wanting to come to DC to be an education reformer before that was really a thing. And I sent letters to like a hundred different education yeah. groups and CCSSO <laughs> is one of them. Well, we're the place did not write me back. Wasn't my fault, but we are the place. <laughs> it was to not be. your fault. Okay, hey, so lots to cover this week in this truncated week. Thanks for listening. Uh, maybe, maybe people are listening to this while they're cooking Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. or after eating Thanksgiving dinner, or maybe going for a jog uh, the next day after Thanksgiving dinner. But whatever you're doing, thank you for joining us uh, on on your holiday. Let's get started with Ed Reform update. Okay, Chris, you got together with state superintendents from all over the country last week in Baltimore. By the way, in the same hotel where the U.S. Catholic uh, Conference of Bishops uh, was, yeah, <laughs> was meeting. Right. So I, I do hope there were some uh, of a great church and state, uh, you know, collaboration <laughs> there at, at times. I hope there was a great conversation. I hope you talked about vouchers, but I digress. <laughs> so uh, here we are, two weeks after this shocking election result. A year, almost a year after this law got passed, ESSA, that gives significant authority to the states, a lot of people would say, hey, these state superintendents, they got the power. Yeah. Uh, how are they feeling about this? Well, they're feeling like we got the power. I mean, I think the 
the biggest thing, well, outside of not seeing any of the bishops in the bar after we were uh, <laughs> uh, done with our meeting. You didn't? Really? No, there weren't, there weren't any there. But, um, hmm, I thought they liked wine. Well, they, they, you know, they, so they left us to our own mm-hmm. after that. But I think the biggest thing that our states are taking away is that they really do have the control to design whatever they want. Now. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I hope that the next administration will be careful about how they think about this transition because they could just throw everything out and make it really flexible for our folks. And I don't know that that would be the best solution at this point. <laughs> so, oh, wait a minute, Chris, you do, you represent state superintendents I, and you're saying, please don't give us entire total flexibility. Well, so, we they, can't handle it. No, what are they? Little children? Chris, no, what, what is that? No, 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 no. Just think <laughs> about the flexibility, the, what, what the in-state conversations will be if they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the law has some things that are required, annual testing, yes. accountability measures that yes. are pretty specific. Yes. But right now, the states have the control, and we need to step up and do good things by kids, or else yeah. we may lose the control. Yeah, that, that's that, that's right. And and so what you're saying, though, but but as long as they follow the law, and in the law, they do have to do some of those things. They can't stop mm-hmm. testing. They can't stop reporting results. They can't stop disaggregating mm-hmm. the results. But they can, for example, design school rating systems in ways that are much different than under No Child Left Behind. Right. And perhaps different than what the Obama administration would like them to do. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, like, I I was reading your most recent report on high school accountability. I had a lot of good things to think about. I I do think in the long run, career readiness needs to be part Mm -hmm. of this conversation, especially for high schools. There's a large part of the country, and I've visited a lot of these places, where you've got to give kids options, and they are not all going to college. Right. Mm -hmm. They need that option. But... That should not be an outcome mm-hmm. for all our kids. And so for us to program around college readiness being the only thing right. in accountability systems, I think is really short-sighted. And your report pointed to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, Alyssa, what, what do you think here? Uh, you, you expect states to be good stewards of this new authority that they have? I think, you know, we've quoted Spider-Man about 86 times regarding us, and it's one of... It's, no, no, yeah. no. We quote Uncle Ben. Uncle, But it's a Spider-Man comic, right? Oh, okay. Like, I didn't right. get my yes. Spider-Man and Superman mixed up again. Yes, that's okay, right. okay. That's right. I'm good. You know, with great powers comes great responsibilities. But like Chris said, I do think some guardrails just to help guide conversations and let people know what the parameters are are helpful. You need to have sort of a foundation from which you can build innovative systems. Giving people a blank Mm -hmm. slate is not necessarily the fastest way to an innovative system. So I agree with all of this. uh, And I've been saying, you know, it doesn't really matter who the new secretary of education is. As long as they know how to work a rubber stamp, uh, you know, they'll be more than qualified. But then over the weekend. We get this news that Donald Trump, first he met with Eva Moskowitz, who made it clear she didn't want the job. Mm-hmm. Then he met with Michelle Rhee, who is not the kind of person you hire if all you want is somebody to work a rubber stamp. So what the heck does this mean? And the world doesn't make sense to me anymore, Chris. You want me to tell you what Donald Trump is doing? <laughs> yes. Whether that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Well, I, yes. I will just start by saying I don't Which is, by the way, funny because Chris hails from one of four states in the country that are still under complete Democratic control. So- uh, the, the state of Oregon. So may, maybe you're not the, the best uh, person oh, to. Well, I was, I was, I, I am a little more conservative than most people in Oregon. So yeah. that's I will not say hard that to much. be. Uh, that's true. But um, I, I guess from my perspective, I think he's going to meet with lots of different people. It, clear to me if, if it becomes a secretary re or secretary Davos mm-hmm. in, in the near future, uh, we're going to see a lot of school choice conversation mm-hmm. and figuring out how we might have a new program around school choice mm-hmm. or things like that. I, I mean, and that's pretty consistent with Trump's personality. The people mm-hmm. he's meeting with are people that are very aggressive. And I think the states, states would be happy to work with them. I mean, the hard part is 
I don't think it's going to be a rubber stamp situation. You don't I think, think so? I, I, I don't, don't see that in either of those situations. Well, right. If, if it's those people, that's why, I mean, who knows what Michelle Rhee or Betsy DeVos have any, have any clue what they think about the role of the Office for Civil Rights, uh, both on K-12 and higher education policy, mm-hmm. the sexual assault stuff on campuses, the, you know, what about for-profit colleges? What about, I mean, on, on all of those issues, Republicans on the Hill have strong opinions, and oh, yeah. you would guess that they may not match up with Michelle Rhee's opinions. In fact, I've heard rumors that Repu- Senate Republicans have said they would vote no on Michelle Rhee. Well, I, you know, uh, I haven't talked, I don't know if I can, I can't confirm or deny it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can, can say is that I, I just don't see, in the long run, Trump being a person who picks people that make the Senate Republicans happy in all offices. So yeah. yeah, I don't think it would be totally out of left field for him to pick a reform-minded Democrat. Well, it would be from left field. Well, I mean, yeah, or, or the left be, side of the spectrum. Terrible true. pun. Terrible <laughs> pun there. <laughs> so, Alyssa, next question. If it's Michelle Rhee, does she pose with a broom in her official Secretary of Education <laughs> picture? I think she will probably choose not to do that, though I'm sure that is a photo that Donald Trump was like, that was interesting to him. Um, yeah, I do find it interesting that in both conversations, national standards seem to have been a part of her reports, what yeah. he talked to them about, given his dislike for the Common Core, mm-hmm. from what we can tell. I did find that interesting. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> right? that, that yes. national standard, they were talking about how the, how they were going to get higher. Higher national, national standards mm-hmm. than the Common Core. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess we'd be really excited yeah. to see what higher standards <laughs> yeah. would look like yeah. in the Common Core. I, yeah. think, I think the states would I, I, You know where this is heading. I mean, look, we've all talked about how people rebrand the Common Core for their own state. Trump wants to rebrand these the Trump standards. Oh, my God. <laughs> Put a big T on Gold it. Plated. Yeah. Gold plate? I, I I, I don't know. What you're saying, Mike. <laughs> Chris, I don't if know. only you had not copyrighted those standards, I'm uh, telling you, you know, it's going to be an issue. can do what they want in terms of naming them. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, hey, maybe by this time next week, we will know who the, who the new secretary of education is going to be. And that might uh, tell us something that uh, help us understand what he is thinking and what his team is thinking. What his children are thinking about education, all of which seems to matter uh, right now as we go forward. Strange, strange new world we're in. Thanks for coming over, Chris, to join us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Now it's time for everyone's favorite, Amber's Research Minute. Victoria McDougal, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mike. Hey, Alyssa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of we're, course. We, we are saying welcome back, though. The last time you were on the show, you were Victoria Sears. I was. Yes. I'm two months married, so we've made it two months. Things are looking pretty good in our household. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's still the honeymoon period, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great, Victoria. Victoria is subbing in for Amber, uh, who did not come up to D.C. for the shortened week. But we are excited that you're here for us. You know, Victoria, I, I earlier called Alyssa the Adele of education reform, which I might have used before, but <laughs> it doesn't quite seem right. You really should be called the hey Adele no, of education reform because is awesome. Victoria hey no. is a British citizen yeah, yeah, have a and an American an angel, citizen. So okay, wait, does that leave me? Victoria does, does have, you know, stars. for people that remember, you know, what the gadfly say, oh, now what, two, two what years ago now? Say? Was it two years ago? anyone can That Victoria was the one singing those beautiful harmonies. I'll tell you. That is true. But wait, if she's Adele... And you can be Chris the is Drake. Harry, I'm not yeah. quite sure. <laughs> no, we're gonna. We need to work that out on a later date. There, yes. there may be some negotiations. Lady Gaga. Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, Alyssa will let you her and, and make a wreck. All right, what? All right, I'll be over here sitting thinking. Victoria, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, well, I've got a great new study that I'm excited to talk with you all about today. It's a new analysis that's conducted by the research team at Duke University. 
It's looking at the impact of two North Carolina early childhood programs on educational outcomes in elementary school. Mike, I know that your thing last week was don't end with right. So now I'm thinking, don't say right at the end of my statements. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't, isn't that what goes on? Right? Am I, am I right? I actually realized that my take is using the word so when I'm about to tell somebody something. That's that, much better. Okay, right. go ahead. And I will go on. So the first program they evaluated is Smart Start. It's a state-funded early childhood care program. So it focuses on improving students' academic outcomes, but also social and health outcomes um, from birth to age four. And this program is open to all children in the state, but in practice, it's really targeted to the most disadvantaged ones. The second program is called More at Four, and that's North Carolina's pretty well-known state-funded pre-K program, and that's for at-risk four-year-olds in the state that really aims at improving their kindergarten readiness. And both programs have been found to be, um, you know, pretty high in terms of their quality standards. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is kind of an interesting study. And everybody who's a researcher uh, knows that North Carolina is the gold state for finding data that's accessible Mm -hmm. and organized and good to use. It it really is. I mean, last week we talked about North Carolina. I mean, it seems like half the studies these days come out of North Carolina. I know. God bless the Tar Heel State. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. So the researchers were actually able to use um, educational data for 13 cohorts of over of just under a million students of mm. each of those years to estimate the outcomes of these kids uh, on their participation in one of the programs through elementary school. So the outcomes of interest were math and reading test scores, um, special education placements, mm-hmm. and grade retention. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically, were there positive program effects from these? And if so, were they sustained or did they fade out by the end? So let's see. Uh, The study included all children who attended a public school in North Carolina between 1995 and 2012. So I said it was a pretty, you know, incredible study in terms of their sample size. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a huge amount of millions and millions of kids. So I know you're thinking, what did they find? Um, So the researchers used a regression analysis and they controlled for variables such as race, Mothers, prior level of education, prior test scores, and they had some really interesting findings. Researchers found that the first program, which really focuses on um, the early childhood care, actually had a significant but marginally positive effect on students' math scores and their reading scores. Slightly more for reading, but it was very um, marginal for both. The pre-K program, which is more at four, uh, they found some stronger uh, associations. So the participation was associated with higher math scores and especially higher reading scores. Now, the effects were pretty small when you look at them in terms of standard deviations, but if you calculate those um, in terms of learning growth, it really actually worked out to be um, cumulatively for both programs of a gain of four to six months of learning learning gains across all grades. Mm -hmm. So by the time kids had finished fifth grade. In terms of the second outcome that they looked at, which was special education placements, The study found that participation actually reduced the probability of a student being placed in special education by 10% um, for the first program for Smart Start, the early childhood care, and actually up to 40% for the pre-K program. Mm -hmm. And in terms of grade retention, both programs slightly reduced the probability of grade retention across all grades, so by grade five. I know that we're always interested in subgroups, so the researchers were good, and they broke down the results by students who uh, were qualified for free and reduced lunch and, and not, and actually found that the effects were positive for all students, mm-hmm. um, but obviously they were stronger for the free and reduced lunch kids. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, I know you, if your question is going to be about the cost of the program and, you know, what... Uh, <laughs> my Mr. Stingy? What is this? I care about the kids. We're frugal McDougals around here. But, you know, if that money could be put somewhere else and, and be um, more beneficial to kids. 
It's actually interesting because in terms of the cost of the programs, they're pretty low. So mm-hmm. for the first child care program, it was only $220 a year. And for the pre-K, it was just over a thousand state dollars per year. So wow, those are it is, How is pretty, that, uh, that pretty must awesome. be other funding coming. Yeah, that's uh, perhaps it's a. Uh, did they go into whether or not the yeah. pre-Ks are like partnerships, the way that New York Maybe City's either. program? They has, didn't. So. It's kind of like a. It's a money for a slot, and so they're not funding actual programs. It's kind okay. of a spot for a kid. So okay. yeah, it would be interesting slot. to know. Mm-hmm. No, look, I I think this. First of all, this is very interesting because what you're saying is that the effects did not fade out. Right. Mm-hmm. which right. we know from a lot of the pre-K that at least the academic effects tend to fade out. Uh, sometimes the other non, you know, the, the non-cognitive or social emotional stuff sticks. Mm-hmm. But so this shows like first, you know, they're able to detect in North Carolina that there were sustained uh, results on the academic side. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if the, the special ed placement, that's super important, not only oh, for yeah. those kids, it's also on a money thing. You know, I've been learning more about social impact bonds, mm-hmm. pay for success bonds lately. And, you know, I, I think there's real potential here for getting private investor funding for these pre-K programs if there is a true payoff down the road of fewer kids in special ed that saves the school districts tons of money. So, you know, private investors could put up the money for the preschool. Uh, and then if it, and in fact, they hit these targets and fewer kids are in special education, the state can pay back those private investors mm-hmm. with the money it saves on special ed. Anyways, it could be a great way to get more investment into these preschool programs. Yeah. And Victoria, just a question from like the early childhood educator and me. Did they talk at all about kids who did both programs or were there a lot of overlap between the kids who enrolled in the zero through four program and then completed preschool? Like, was there a, if they did both, stronger impact? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question, Alyssa. They actually didn't touch on that very much. Um, So there is some possible overlap Mm -hmm. between the two programs. The first is just from zero to four and the um, pre-K program is targeted just to four four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So they didn't talk a whole lot about, you know, the various groups. Um, I think one interesting component of the analysis was that they kind of looked at it on a county-by-county county basis. And mm-hmm. so um, they, they, while they were looking at the individual student outcomes and funding, they were looking at the county funding versus counties that really didn't receive funding for those programs and comparing the outcomes across mm-hmm. those counties. So it, actually, if you think about it, the effects of these programs could be quite bigger um, since they're accounting for a lot of their kids in those classrooms who probably were not qualified for participation in the program. Well, good stuff. Thank you, Victoria. Nice to have you on for the Research Minute. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. That is all the time we have for this Thanksgiving week. Until next week. I'm Alyssa Schwenk. And I'm Mike Petrilli at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off and wishing you a very happy holiday. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C., For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.